You're listening to the Get Fucking Real Show. Strap in as your host, Lisa Cherney, takes you on a ride full of GFR moments. From powerful messages to exclusive interviews to untold stories of super shitty moments before big successes. And even real-life confessions. Lisa's been mentoring millionaire entrepreneurs for over 20 years, coaching top coaches and tapping her mighty woo-woo side to mentor the best of the best spiritual peeps. It's time to bring on the straight talk from successful, soulful entrepreneurs, inspiring you to live without regrets, to create your legacy, and be unapologetically you. And now, it's time to GFR. Life is too short to be a slave to your own dream Cause I'm working too hard And I want to feel so alive I jump out of bed because I love my life Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive Being myself, clarity will arrive So I'll stand out and be J-U-I-C-Y Hello, y'all. It's Lisa Cherney, and this is the Get Fucking Real Show. And I am so happy you're here and you're listening and you have me in your ear holes. And my intention is that what you hear today transforms your life in some way, big or small. Let me ask you a question. What does it mean to be a good mother and have a drug-addicted son? That's a puzzle for you, right? Can you even be a good mother and have a drug-addicted son? Well, that is part of the story that our guest today is going to share, and her name is Emerald Green Forest, and you may have known her in her past life as Amethyst Wildfire, and her name change is a significant part of her story, so she'll share how that even happened. She is known as the Wealthy Life Mentor. And she's an internationally recognized speaker, and she is the producer of her own podcast, actually not one, but two. One is called Wickedly Smart Women, and the other, which is ranked top 200 on Apple, is Men on Purpose. And she's hired regularly to consult with high-achieving change agents from all over the world who want to create a wealthy life. A wealthy life, which she defines not just by money, but by the people in your life, by your energy, by the input you can take in, by your health, lots of different ways to define wealth. And she is one of those guests that I give a lot of credibility to because of her wormhole certification, the shit that she has been through, that she can come out the other side and talk credibly about wealth. And a lot of it has to do with trauma. She says that she was actually rooted in a mindset of scarcity and a lifelong cycle of abuse. And no matter what she did, she was constantly tolerating trauma and trapped in what she calls a victim role. It was only after her own child threatened her life that she was finally able to break free of the addiction to the trauma cycle. And she thinks and says and teaches now that that was what was robbing her of her happiness, her fulfillment, and her freedom. And she and I have been in um, each other's lives for about 10 years. And I have seen her evolve and transform and up-level as an entrepreneur. I feel like this is her best version yet, just as uh, she acknowledges, she thinks that my GFR is my best version yet. And The whole theme of today's show really is about expressing your mission through your own journey and how you are supposed to serve people in the world. And she's eloquent, she's real, she's woo-woo, she uses the word fuck a lot, which I love, and she is delight. I can't wait for you to meet Emerald Green Forest. Hello, it's Emerald Green Forest. Welcome to the Get Fucking Real show, my love. Oh my God, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm really excited to be here too. I feel like it punctuates uh, or is among many punctuations in our like 10 year journey of knowing each other and 
working together and playing together and you mentoring me and me mentoring you and all the ways that we have expressed our missions over the years. I was going to say reinvent, but you know, I don't like that word. <laughs> In this moment, I'm not liking that word because it's such an evolution, right? And it's, I'm sure, and we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah, we definitely have evolved. We just continue to evolve and evolve and evolve. And it's not about reinvention, which to me is more mechanicalized. Uh, it's definitely much more organic for both of us, I'm sure. Yeah, and I think for many of our listeners too, right? And sometimes we go into judgment about, oh, I'm, especially when it's a marketing or business, oh, I'm rebranding or I'm changing my expert title, you know, whatever. And it's like, yes, those things are important but even more important is congruency and alignment with where you are in your journey, which is of course what my original company conscious marketing was all about. So, so here we are in our current version and expression of our missions. (laughs) We made it. We made it here after a decade. (laughs) I know. I'm so excited. And you know, I was thinking about, you know, your expert title now is the wealthy life mentor and I've said this to many of our guests, it's like, I will trust what you're saying more because of the trauma that you've had around that and because you've like freaking earned the right to say it than I would if um, I heard someone's story and it was just all about, oh yeah, I did this and I did that and I built this and I built that. It's like, hey, if you you don't have some grit and you haven't failed, (laughs) it's like, you know, and we call that, you know, we, we, we talk about our, our journeys that we share our GFR wormhole and, and, and people that have had that grit as a wormhole certified. It's like, if you're not wormhole certified, then I, it's almost like, I don't, I don't want to listen. Do you feel like, do you feel more credible now after going through the, what we're going to share here in a little bit? Yeah. Well, I want to speak directly to what you just said. And that is that there is a huge difference between somebody who just slaps a sticker on themselves because it sounds good and somebody who's being intentional about claiming space that they have now taken. And I think that's the difference between, you know, what you were just describing there. And, and for me, um, you know, I, I had the title, I had claimed the title for a long time, the Empress of Empowerment. But then when I went, you know, through some stuff, through another rite of passage in my evolution, um, you know, this is the, the new emerging name or, place that I am standing in the marketplace and, and how I want to create my own life. And, and really what the wealthy life mentor is all about is creating your life. Like it's a work of art. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. And many of our artists, famous artists are tortured souls. So (laughs) it totally aligns. It totally aligns. All right. So, so let's, so let's talk about um, your journey and, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, something that we call that, that you call a trauma cycle. I, I, I don't know if that's a general term, but I really resonate with what you're trying to express with that. And yeah, so share with us where you've come from. And then we want to get around to sort of where you are now. But it's this, it's the journey of trauma for you that has you claiming this, you know what, I can freaking talk about wealth now. and. And I think there's a lot of people listening that may not want to talk about wealth, but just be wealth, right? Mm-hmm. And, and feel like that they cannot claim that space or that mindset because of where they've come from. So I would, I, you know, my intention is that this is healing for those that are listening. Be like, just leave that shit behind you and claim this new space. And here is Emerald to show you how. <laughs> All right. So I guess where I will start is, you know, I think what what we really wanted to bring to light here with this interview was um, maybe two things. First of all, number one, that you can experience pretty much anything bad or good in your life and and take from that and create, use, utilize that. In, as a resource in order to create what you actually want, to create a transformation in your life. And so part of what we talked about before we, we jumped into this interview was, you know, I've definitely experienced a life filled with trauma. 
starting with my dad, who was a raging alcoholic, and my mom, who definitely had codependency issues and probably was borderline personality disordered, to, you know, various boyfriends who were abusive, a brother who sexually molested me, uh, you know, a guy that I was going to marry who was a drug dealer, and, you know, just all kinds of trauma experiences in my life that culminated with something that happened uh, with my own son. And so a lot of the trauma that I experienced was specific to being in relationship with men. And for me, men and money also got intertwined in some strange way. And, and um, the other piece that I want to just bring forth is that when you're in a trauma cycle, like one of the main things that I've done in the last almost 20 years of my life has been like, I have got to, I'm aware, like I'm aware this isn't working. I'm aware this isn't working. I will do whatever it takes to create a life that actually works for me. And when you have been deeply enmeshed in multiple repeated traumas, it becomes like you have a blind spot, you know, you have another blind spot, another blind spot, another blind spot, another blind spot. And, and hopefully I'm at the point now where I have hit all 360 degrees of the blind spots uh, in terms of how trauma shows up. And ultimately I also became self-traumatizing and, and I played that out in my relationship with my business. So let me, let me jump in here. Um, Cause I'm, I'm getting present to, like this I picture of um, a before and after, which I know is not completely like, it's not just, you know, this duality <laughs> that we're looking at. And I'm remembering, you know, I came to New Hampshire where you live. Um, I think it was about 10 years ago and, or maybe, yeah, yeah I think it was um, yeah. to do some work with you in the, in the way that your business and your gifts, you know, you're offering them then in, you know, in the house that you were in and, so can you give us a picture of like a little bit of a before, like before you realized, before this incident that you referenced around your son, which you'll share more about, like what did life and business look like before? And then I'd like to, you know, kind of give an after. Great. So um, what life and business looked like in the before, uh, again, I've had a big, long history but to, to position it in that time frame when you and I first connected, uh, at that time, I was in a really exciting phase of my life because I felt called. I was so deeply called to serve people, other people who were called to become empowered, to become fearless. Like my mission, my life mission is to replace fear with love. That's, that's my life mission, which is probably why all of the trauma has occurred because trauma creates a lot of fear. And so the work has been to replace fear with love. So at the time that you and I met, I was on an upward trajectory. I really felt uh, powerful and, and on purpose and uh, engaged in what I was meant to be engaged in and simultaneously at the exact same time almost was when my son started doing drugs. And so even though like part of my life was going uphill and things were like looking great and money was coming in like it had never come in before where I was like, I was the one that was generating this money. It was not like working for someone else. I was generating it with my own intellectual property and my own offerings and all of those things. At the same time, in the background, a couple of things were happening. First of all, my son was starting his drug journey. And secondly, um, I was fueling a lot of my success. I was getting out ahead of myself, both in, in investing with mentorship, which I 100% believe in, but I overextended myself. And this is where the self-traumatizing comes in. Uh, I overextended myself with credit. So it was like, I always felt like I was on a house of cards. Always felt like, even though I was outwardly appearing to be very successful and achieving, and there was a part of me that was in such joy to be serving my purpose, because I struggled actually for almost seven years before we met 
at least seven years before we met where I felt this massive purpose that I had, this massive calling that I had. And it wasn't just to serve the local people here. It was to serve the whole wide world. And at the same time, you know, I couldn't see how that could happen until uh, we intersected along with several other people around 2009, 2010. And then it was like, oh my God, the prayers are finally answered. I can see the way now to, yeah. um, to getting there. You know, so that was the beginning of a trajectory that I ended up uh, being heard by millions of people around the world. And I ended up, I had a different name then. Uh, I ended up generating almost $2 million from home in my pajamas as a single mom. I was, you know, also doing the laundry and baking the cookies for the football team at the same time and navigating this drugs situation with my son. So that's kind of the before. Yeah. And I love, thank you for that. And, and then as you're talking, like, I think I want to share this because it's coming to me to share is like, you had many lives before that in terms of your career, like you had a big career in real estate, right. Mm -hmm. And like created and led and, you know, I was thinking it was commercial real estate. Right. And then, and then you also owned an art. Did you own an art, um, like a store, like an art gallery and healing art art center. Right. And, and an artist. So like I share that just because I think let's honor our eclectic journeys, right. You know, here on this show and also, you know, people hear about, you know, a core part of the work that we did when we intersected was you, um, was shamanic arts. Right. And I didn't know what the fuck that was when we, uh, but I just like, we had some sessions and I, you know, and it but the shit worked. <laughs> worked. So let's do it. Let's do more. Right. And you're not the first shaman to have on. We had a Kamala Devi and I think it's episode like two or three, you know, and to come from something that looked normal. Right. You know, it's like, it's it i think there is also credibility from the i tried to do that normal thing <laughs> right and then you you know and then you found your way into being an entrepreneur in a different way where you were selling and marketing and serving your you know with your own your own talents and your own gifts so oh, i absolutely was fully bought into the quote unquote i'll put it in air quotes the american dream i i literally had the white house with the fence and the two cars in the garage and the dog and the husband and the kid. <laughs> and, and that all blew up, uh, you know, back in 2001 when I went through a spiritual awakening and then ended up with the art gallery and healing arts center and left behind the real estate world. So yes, I've had multiple transitions and totally want to affirm for the listeners that uh, number one, First of all, it's, it's very important to break through the cultural conditioning. It's, you know, that is key to begin. That white picket fence, you're not, you, yeah. it's going to be like the second guest in as many as weeks to refer to, I had it all, including the white picket fence. It was a, a Lexus Katz, right? So that's part of the cultural conditioning, like the fucking white picket fence. <laughs> and of course, for me, I always think about monogamy and like the whole relationship escalator part of it, right? Because that's where, you know, I blew that shit apart, you know? And so, um, yeah, just, yeah. So let's talk about the cultural programming. Is that what you called it? Yeah, cultural conditioning, cultural programming. Uh, you know, especially for women, there's deep cultural programming around how you should behave in relationships, how you should behave in the world. Uh, you know, and if we want to tie this a little bit to the wealthy life mentorship body of work, one thing that I know for sure that my, at least my cohort generation was kind of the generation where there was still a deep steeping in women being the ones who held together the social fabric of community through volunteer service. And so when women are then also being put into the roles of breadwinner and also being, in my case, I was put into the role of single parent, now you're like running multiple roles simultaneously. You're the provider, you, you have this social expectation that you're going to volunteer, you're attempting to run a business. And a lot of times, especially for women, we end up overgiving and volunteering way too much of our time and energy and under earning. And so, so that was a challenge that I had as well, because I would, you know, when I was in the business, I was just behaving the way I had been culturally conditioned to behave and giving, giving, giving without really having 
even though I was generating money and generated plenty of money, I still was overgiving of myself, which was also tied into the trauma stuff, but I was overgiving of myself, of my time, of my energy, of my money without self awareness of what I actually needed of what I required in order to actually be thriving rather than sacrificing, self-sacrificing. So yeah, the, the cultural conditioning is pretty entrenched. And, you know, of course we have marketers <laughs> to thank for that <laughs> because marketers and advertising people are, you know, they are creating a fantasy reality that is projected out into the world that everybody looks at and thinks, oh, I should be like that in some way. Yes, absolutely. So you were at a, a new sort of high in your life. And, and at the same time, there was this other path or other story going on um, for you with your son. Sure. So what happened next? Yeah, so um, so I, I was on this trajectory, and at the same time, he was on the downward spiral. Like, literally, I was going up in the business. So he, he was in, um, see, 2010, he would have been just getting into high school. Okay. Just getting into high school. Right. Um, Ironic that I just dropped my kid off at high school. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he could have been in, in middle, it was like early high school or late middle school time frame. So okay. he was just, you know, probably 12 or 13 years old. And uh, I did not, I will say I did not handle it well. I did not handle it well. Um, I, my family history and, and his family history on his father's side, both sides, just rife with addiction and self abuse. And so as soon as he started smoking pot, I just, I overreacted. I overreacted. I did not handle it well. And I was very concerned about where he was going with that. And, and ended up that it just got worse and worse and worse. And my son ended up doing every possible drug that you can imagine during this time frame. And, and even in 2013 uh, was when the suicide attempts started. And so here I am in 2013, I'm now making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. I'm being heard by millions of people around the world. And my, my own child is a shit show. And I, you know, I call myself a healer. And so now I'm eroding internally is this erosion of the belief in my capacity to even be a healer. Because I was like, if I can, how can I call myself a healer? And that peaked in 2015. Like, how can I call myself a healer when I can't even heal my own son? And so uh, there were drugs that happened, Lisa, that, that you don't even know are available. Like, they make things in laboratories that are like one molecule off from LSD or whatever it is that can't be on the schedule on the DFDA, DEA, whatever schedule as a, as a uh, drug that's a felony. And it's like literally one molecule off, but it's the same stuff. And, and there was nights where he would come in one night, he came in and he was on top of me at one o'clock in the morning, screaming that we had to go get eggs at the, at the, at the 7-Eleven because he was smoking some stuff that you could buy at the 7-Eleven that was sold as incense, but all the kids were smoking. I mean, like crazy making. It was just crazy making. And then he ultimately ended up into the heroin scene. And that was when things got really, really bad. And uh, yeah, in 2015, I actually went to another one of the GFR guests, um, Beth Davis's event. And I raised my hand at that event and said, how can I call myself a healer when I can't even heal my own son? Mm. And, and, uh, and she gave me some really powerful guidance and she looked right at me and she said, his addiction and his healing is not your business. It's not your business. Wow. And so, yeah, that was huge because it was like, it's not my business business, but it's also not my business. It's none of my business. His healing is not my business. So yeah, we had a, a massive, and 2015 was my biggest year financially. Interesting. My biggest year financially. And, and he was down the wormhole as deep as he could go in 2015. He had gone to rehab. He had been arrested a couple of times. 
you know, had multiple suicide attempts. It was just a really difficult, very challenging time. And I'll say, here's the other piece I'm going to get fucking real about here is a couple of things. First of all, I tolerated for a long time uh, the dysfunction. I just tolerated it for a long time because that had been, you know, kind of my path was to tolerate dysfunction, to tolerate abuse, to tolerate addiction to tolerate that, okay, well, I just have to accept this person as they are and uh, make a lot of compromises. I made a lot, a lot of compromises at my expense throughout that period of time. And the other thing that I will say is I was so fucking invested in looking good. I just wanted to, you know, I had this projection that I had created out into the world that I knew what the hell I was doing, that I knew how to heal and help people, that I was a successful business owner, that I needed to keep this persona up, that I needed to keep this, um, this engine going, right? I needed to keep the engine going because I couldn't figure out how to actually make it work properly so that it was supporting me Instead, it was another relationship. I had this relationship with my business that was also abusive, where I set myself up so that my business would abuse me. I set myself up so that I was always on the edge of, am I going to have enough money to pay the credit cards this month? And so, yeah, it all came to a big head in in early 2016. Okay, so... Oh, I thank you so much for your real and raw confession. I just know that so many people are relating to what you're saying of, of that, that projection of like ha- so invested in things looking good. And I really, really felt when you were talking about commandment number one, uh, very explicitly around, you know, compromising and tolerating. What are you tolerating? Like commandment number one is don't compromise. And the confession question is, what am I tolerating? And for you, and you said that was your favorite one coming into the, into the show. So I could, I could really see how pervasive that theme was for you in that time in your life. So I just like pause and like want to reach through the ear into the ear holes of people listening and, and saying like, where do you relate to this? Where does this resonate with you? Where, what are you tolerating? And it could be something that you might have not even identified before the show, <laughs> right? I think sometimes like you, like you weren't even, you, at the time you didn't know you were, that was just your life. It was like, you know, fish, you know, being in water and not knowing the waters around, like you were just so used to that mode, particularly growing up, you know, in that environment that just having your kid be a drug, drug addict was just like, okay, it just is just my life. And, um, which again, like, it's really not, there's no accidents that I dropped my kid off at high school this morning. Um, she has never been into school with thousands of kids. You know, I dropped, literally dropped, there was no like poignant picture in front of the school with her friends, you know, first day of high school photo. It was, you know, drop the kid off. And, and, and like, as I was, you know, driving away, seeing like hundreds of kids that looked like, you know, five times her age and just that the gratitude that I have of my kid for today in my awareness of being emotionally and physically healthy, you know, I just, um, my heart just goes out to Emerald of the past that was living with that and, and to get to the place where you, where you can like what you know, Beth Davis said to you that it's not your business, you know. And I, I've done studying to the point where I am aware that I don't my kid, you know, my kid is not me. It's not an extension, you know. Like I don't own my kid. Like all of this great work, but like to be able to 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 create some distance, um, and at the same time decide that you're not tolerating anymore. Um, yeah. I mean, you feel free to respond to anything I yeah. just said. Of course, I want to hear yes. the next piece of the story. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. So I think the pieces that I want to drop in here are, first of all, you know, Lisa's question about what are you tolerating? And sometimes you're tolerating the white picket fence life. I mean, there was a point where I was tolerating the white picket fence life. The 
father of my child was very dysfunctional and highly verbally and emotionally abusive. And it was in the divorce of, of him and the walking away from the white picket fence. Yeah, white, yeah, white picket fence life. Can't even say it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I can't even say it anymore that I had my spiritual awakening. And, and this whole journey of single parenting, you know, I think the, the important thing to remember is that we also have extremely strong social conditioning around what it means to be a mother. And even though we can talk all day long about, you know, what it means to be a mother, there is strong judgment and strong social expectations that a mother is going to behave in a certain way. And I do want to do a quick little tiny backstory on this because it's part of my son and my journey together. When he was three, he was sexually assaulted in daycare. And my mother-in-law said to me, well, if you hadn't been working, this wouldn't have happened. Oh my God. So I carried for years the feeling of being torn, the feeling of being torn between fulfilling my own destiny and fulfilling my own purpose and mission and being an appropriate and kind and generous and loving and caring and deeply nurturing and deeply connected parent. And so it was a freaking godsend to me in 2008 when I had this calling to serve even more people in the world that, that the internet came along. That was a fucking blessing and a half. Don't get me wrong. I am so grateful that I, I've been able to serve my calling. But I spent up until the moment of severance with my son, which happened in 2016, I spent all of those years feeling torn between being the mom I wanted to be, and especially since I came from a a traumatic childhood myself. So I I felt like I had to overcompensate, right? So that, you know, to protect him from all of the stuff that could have gone wrong, which of course ended up going wrong anyway. Um, And to fulfill my own calling and to be the example of somebody who could fulfill their own calling. So, so this, feeling of being torn was very, very strong for me. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, Lisa, the work has been about self-forgiveness and about releasing myself from, from guilt and about literally shedding these culturally assigned roles that are just not real. Like you have shed the culturally assigned role of, typical married person, right? That kept you trapped. I was in the culturally assigned role of mother that kept me trapped and not just mother, but really good mother. Like I was good mother. You're going to be a good mother. (laughs) So true. Oh my gosh. Okay. So the emerald that I was then was also a different person. The emerald that I was then is wasn't emerald. There was no emerald then. I had a different name and I was a different totally different person um, as I was going through that, but also carrying all of these stories and roles and experiences. So I guess share with us what led up to you changing your name and this, this version of you that is with us today. Yeah. So uh, in early 2016, we had another suicide attempt and then, um, and that was in January. And then we had another suicide attempt in March. And then we had another suicide attempt in April. Oh and at the end of April, and, and it was just, it was just this, it just was getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And he was in like local rehab, but he was also, you know, probably dealing. I can't say that he was for sure, but probably dealing heroin and who knows what. I, in April of 2016, so here's the other piece about the trauma that wants to to be added in. In early 2016, as we're going through all of this, um, my mom hit me upside the head again, like she used to when she was a child. There was an incident where she literally just slapped me hard upside the head 
And I took her to the hospital because she had some stuff going on. And when I got to the hospital, she told me she was going to hit me again. And the woman in the hospital who had her in the wheelchair pulled the wheelchair away. And it was the first time in 53 trips around the sun that I had a visceral experience of, oh, I'm not supposed to lean in to abuse. It's actually something that needs to be pulled away from me. So that led to uh, me getting very clear and setting an intention that I was going to uproot myself from the toxic soil of abuse. And on April 30th, I took that day to make ceremony. And I made ceremony on 10 pieces of property in this area where I lived, all these 10 pieces of property where I had lived with abusive, addicted men. And I, it culminated in the ceremony at my own house. And that night, my son had been on a three-day bender of craziness. And that night, I went down to check on him because he was passed out cold. He was either passed out cold for like hours or he was enraged for hours. That was the cycle for three days. And he was passed out cold. And I said, okay, I can't really deal with him right now. I'm going to just go journal my day of ceremony. And then about 1030 that night, I heard noises in the basement. I came back down. But when I had gone down earlier, I had seen his computer was open and he was ordering heroin and fentanyl online using Bitcoin. And so I went down into the basement because I heard the noise and he went crazy and he said, leave me the fuck alone. And if for the first time in all of these years of all of this drug use and all this craziness and all of these compromises and all of this trying to make it all fixed and trying to correct his de deviant behavior and all of it. I just stood there and I said, um, buddy, I can't leave you the fuck alone. You're ordering heroin and fentanyl online using Bitcoin. And that was literally like putting the match to the, to the gasoline. And he went crazy. He hit me upside the head, threw me on the couch, was on top of me and said he was going to cut me up in little pieces and throw me in the river. And in that moment, there wasn't a fucking thing that I could do other than go into my inner realm. I went in deep into meditation. He got off of me and he was on the computer doing his things. And I was just sitting in the chair in the, in the sofa. It was like a king size sofa in the corner. And I just went deep into meditation and I could feel the presence of the source with me. And I just started to be present with where I was in that moment. And I, the only prayer I had was if tonight's the night I'm dying, I just hope it doesn't hurt too much. Like that's my only prayer is that it's not going to hurt too much. And um, eventually he left the room to go upstairs to go to the bathroom and I was able to get out and I ran to the forest and I called the police and the first guy who who came to get me out of the forest, his name, you, you can't even make this shit up because it's so fucking mythic. His name was Officer Friend. <laughs> Officer Friend came oh and got me God. out of the forest. Oh I was God. like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Seriously? Are you fucking kidding me? Officer Friend. And, uh, and then the second officer that came, he said to me, well, this is a felony. This is felony kidnapping. And the first thing that came across my mind was, oh my God, I can't send my son away for felony kidnapping. And, and he was asking me to tell the story. Like I had to tell the story to officer friend. I had to tell the story to him. And then he said, well, we've got to take it to the detectives because it's the next level. It's a felony. And I was like, oh my God. And so I was frozen, couldn't speak, couldn't speak. And he looked at me and he said, this, this, this was the real GFR moment in my life. He looked at me and he said, if you don't tell the detectives what happened, this will be your life. Wow. And I was like, uh, uh, no fucking way. This is not going to be my life. I, I can't do it anymore. This is not my life. I can't do it anymore. And let the chips fall where they may. If my kid ends up being felony kidnap charged, that's just, it is what it is. And so I told the story again to the detectives and uh, 
and they, they, by that point, they had taken him out of the house and had him arrested and um, put him in jail. And, and they wouldn't let me back in the house until the next day because they had to go get evidence and all the stuff. And, and it was three days later that I was sitting in meditation after the explosion had happened. And I heard bubbling up from my heart center, you're Emerald now, which I wasn't, I fucking wasn't expecting that after that whole thing. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I have, I've changed my name before. I wasn't expecting this, but okay. And so then the, the next day I was like, okay, do I have a new last name? <laughs> and I, I got, yep, your last name's Green Forest. And then by the third day, my middle name came in. It was Emerald Peaceful Green Forest. And I was at the courthouse changing my name um, that day. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think I just want to tie that up a little bit to make sure that people are aware that, uh, you know, we made it through the whole journey. We did make it through and he's, he's well now and he's got his own life. And we talked, we even had a text last night, but it was a fucking nightmare. That's, that's for sure. And, you know, the whole time I was pretending I had this big fucking successful business going on, (laughs) which I did to a certain extent. And then when I became Emerald Green Forest, the business that had been built around the person I had been before, Amethyst Wildfire, that container couldn't hold Emerald Green Forest. And so the business just plummeted, went down to that, that year, I think I made a hundred thousand and 2017, I didn't make any money at all. I didn't make any money at all. I made money making, I rented my house on Airbnb. And I made enough money on Airbnb to pay the mortgage. Thank God. I love Airbnb. And, and it's been a, you know, recreation. I've been in evolution and a recreation. Part of it was just embodying Emerald Peaceful Green Forest, which is a whole nother vibration. It's a whole nother way of being in the world. It's a whole shift in the fabric of reality and then deciding well what do I want to do who do I want to serve how do I want to show up in the world and you know I'm, I'm going to say that all of the lessons were of value everything I learned was of value I wouldn't wish it on another person that's for sure it was it was hard and it was terrifying and it was traumatizing and and I'm still unpacking it and i you know, I feel better than I ever have in my whole life. And I just did something the other day where I've been tolerating abusive behavior from another family member and I finally confronted him. And so I'm, I'm so much better now at being able to feel what I'm feeling. And I'm so much better now at being able to express and say what I'm experiencing as this is what's happening. And I think that that police officer, that sergeant that night, I can tell you a thousand percent, he was an angel in blue. Yeah, asking you, telling you, this will be your life. If you don't press charges, this will be your life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you for living that so that you could share it with us, surviving that, thriving through that. So you could share that with us. If like I could say that for every one of our guests. And I really meet it from the bottom of my heart because so much to learn and so much that you learn so that you can teach it. Right. And that's the commonality of all of these stories on the get fucking real show is, is that they, that we are mission based entrepreneurs, which means we are going through what we're going through for the purpose of the next expression of how we're going to help people in the world. So, so in, in, in sort of our final little segment here, share with us how, how um, the wealthy life mentor, like how you came to really see that body of work, like the lessons that you learned and how that was the next expression of your body of work, because it's not obvious. And I think that, you know, and I say to people, like, when you're going through your wormhole, it is going to serve your next level of work. And you likely don't see that, right? So um, we could, you know, share that piece of it. So, so that listeners can maybe looking for, you know, looking at their own stories and putting some of the pieces together, even if they're in the middle of it. Yeah. So, um, 
what I got clear on in the in the wormhole was that there's a difference between like this projected wealthy life and an authentic wealthy life. And I also got clear in the wormhole and it was actually, you know, a couple of weeks before the night in the basement, I went and did my first talk. So it's funny how these things overlap as you're evolving. Like I actually did my first talk talking about the five ways that we ward off wealth had happened like two weeks before. And, and one of the ways I took the people through this process of helping them to release it and shed it. And anybody who's going to be in the GFR squad, we're going to have some exclusive content after this for the GFR squad members talking specifically about the five ways that we ward off wealth. But what I was able to discover is that in order to have an authentic, wealthy life, we have to be, um, really looking at the full fabric of our life. And so in my case, I had this split. I had this like appearance of being successful on the outside while everything was a shit show on the inside, uh, you know, in, in the private life. And a truly wealthy life that you create that's a work of art has, has everything is on the table and everything is being attended to in equal measure in order for you to be able to thrive because uh, being in abundance in one area and scarcity in another is not is not a wealthy life and so that's pretty much how the wealthy life mentor emerged is this body of work actually began back then and i've just been nurturing it along and nurturing myself along until we you know we're here at this point and who knows where we're going from here but what i'm very clear on is that uh, whenever we are in this entrepreneurial zone and we are making a, a mark in the world, like you are with GFR, I think of my website and my business as like an altar upon which I am playing. And so you, you are going to just get more and more fucking real <laughs> as time goes on. You're just going to keep getting realer and realer and realer. And I am creating my life like a work of art. And, and that's, going to be my journey as the wealthy life mentors i am in the creation of an intentional delivery into the world of the model of a wealthy life beautiful beautiful yes you are and i feel you i feel you so deeply in your in your authenticity and congruency and that to me is somebody that I want to be closer to, that I want to know, that I want to learn from. And, and it's not somebody who is damaged goods or not credible or any of those stories that we tell ourselves when we hide those parts of ourselves. So thank you for your willingness to get real with us. Do you have a final thought for our beautiful listeners? Yeah, I think that the final thought that I would offer is no matter how traumatic the experience that you are in presently might appear, that there is a way out and the deepest and most profound way out that I found even literally out of the basement was to surrender. Like I stopped, I, I didn't fight him. I couldn't change him. I couldn't fix it. I couldn't fight it. All I had, all I had left was to, to surrender. And so I surrendered the life, my, the, my life as Amethyst Wildfire was surrendered. She went to, she went to heaven that night. She died that night. She died in the basement that night so that Emerald Peaceful Green Forest could be born. Mm. Yeah. So be willing to die to what doesn't serve you, no matter how attached you think you might be to it, uh, and surrender. Let yourself, let yourself surrender. Beautiful. Beautiful words to end. It's been an honor to be in this space with you and to e yet again uh, 
revolve around the sun and our missions and our purpose and our lives to come together on this day where I took my kids to high school to, to hear about your journey as a, a mother and what I know, my, you know, all of our journeys as mothers are never ending and so um, transformative as is our business. And I, I just, I'm really thrilled to get to share your story. So thank you, Emerald, peace, green, peaceful green forest. <laughs> bye bye for now. Okay, the gauntlet has been thrown down around commandment number one and the confession question that goes with it. What are you tolerating? Take a deeper dive. Take a look under the stones and the rocks that you have not looked under in your life. Take a deeper dive into getting real. What are you tolerating? It's amazing what we get used to. Right? I mean, it's like the mess in our garage that we walk by every day that we don't even notice anymore. You know, it's that pain in our back that we just go, oh, uh, you know, I've tried a couple things. I guess I need to live with it. It's, there's so many things in our life that we tolerate that we think are normal. So I'm, I'm going to second Emerald's challenge to really take another look to see what you're tolerating. And of course, that is commandment number one of our 12 GFR commandments. And if that one question about what are you tolerating intrigues you, I invite you to check out the other 11 confession questions. So go grab your copy of the 12 GFR commandments. And I want to let you know how to stay in touch with Emerald and to grab her really awesome wealth resistance assessment. So if you're in our GFR squad, she is, does a bonus training called Five Ways to Ward Off Wealth and How to Begin to Welcome Wealth. And it is so good. It's really, really good. Her best work yet. And if you are not in our squad and you just want to like take the quiz, go um, grab that link in our show notes to her wealth resistant assessment. And you'll, and you'll see actually and you'll learn which of the five ways that you are warding off wealth. It was very enlightening, actually, even for me. I just love her take on it, and she's earned the right to share about this. And that's what I most love about these wormhole stories and the wormhole certification that they are the flag that they are flying of their wormhole certification, which I know many of you are also wormhole certified. So join the squad if you haven't. Would love to hang out with you over there, be closer to you, share my life with you um, in a more in-depth way as you really embody and own your GFR journey with, for just 20 bucks a month. Super inexpensive, but profound transformation to be had. All right. Until next time, have a good one.